<laughs> well, good morning again. <laughs> so, so week three of rebranding, I'm up here, I'm like freaking out because my, my tablet wouldn't like open up. I'm like, oh, technology, Satan's going to attack it. <laughs> That's why I bring a hard copy still. <laughs> so, so week three, week three of our series rebranding, and, and this whole series is, you know, like we've been talking about refocusing our mission and our purpose. And looking at the early church, the church in the book of Acts, um, and really understand what our purpose as a body of Christ is, what our job as Christians or what we should be doing. And hopefully through this series, we can get rid of some of them stereotypes or, or maybe some of the stigmas or misconceptions that the world has of the church. Or as us as Christians, as Christ followers, when we're out there in the world, whether it's working or whatever we're doing, show them a different brand of what they think the church is all about. You know, and I think we do this by practicing what we preach. Practice what you preach. How many times have you guys heard that in your life? Practice what you preach. You know, we hear it all the time, but do we actually practice what we preach when we leave these four walls on Sunday? Do we live our life the same way we live our life when we come into church? Hey, brothers and sisters, it's great to see you today. What a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord. Well, do we do the same thing when we're outside? Or do we live more like the world when we're outside in the world and we come to church on Sunday because that's what we do? And I think the thing we got to understand is the reality that what people think of the church is what they think of you. It's what they think of you and your life and how you're living your life and understand what people say about Jesus, what people say about God, what they say about God's word or the church is a direct reflection a lot of times off of what we do and how we act when we're in the world, especially if they know you're a Christian. Now, granted, none of us hung on that cross. All of us are still sinners and we all fall short, but we should be more Christ-like each and every day. <clears throat> so we should be living a life more like Christ each and every day. But do we actually walk the walk and talk the talk? Or do we just do it when we come in here on Sundays? Because you think about it, no one comes to church on Sunday because they got nothing better to do, right? <clears throat> I didn't come to church because I got nothing better to do. Because all of us could probably find something better to do every day, right? Hey, think about it. Yeah, of course. There are things we could do. Hey, it's summertime. Well, almost summertime. It's spring. It's beautiful weather. This is why people moved to South Florida. Except for Tom said it's too hot. And it's too noisy and there's too much traffic. <laughs> he forgot what it was like when he left. <laughs> but, but people come to church on a normal basis. Why? Because they're hurting. Something's not going right in their life and they know they need something different. So they'll come into church looking for something different. Because maybe along the line they thought, well, God's got to be better than what I'm doing. Life has to be better than what, what, what I have going on. And, and, and I have this friend who's a Christian who 
kind of looks like they have it a little better than me. So they may come to church. And, and what we got to understand is whether you like it or believe it or not, you are the brand of the church. You are the brand of the body of Christ. And it's something I think we forget about. People see Jesus through us. What kind, of, what kind of Jesus do they see from you when you're not inside this church? Remember when I launched this series, we had these different brands that we put up there. You know, we put up Chick-fil-A on a Sunday, which was just mean because we couldn't go to Chick-fil-A after church. Put up like Shell and different ones. And, and it's interesting because all of us know companies by their brand or their logo. And you can automatically see it and have a thought. You can either think, man, I really don't like them. I don't care for this food. I don't care for this place. Or it could be like, man, let's go to Arby's. I'm ready for a beef and cheddar. You know, well, whatever it may be. And when you see these brands, you know, you, you get this immediate feeling inside, whether good or bad. Well, when people see you as a Christian, they know they're, you're a Christian. Do they see you as a good brand or a bad brand? Do they see you as a good representative of the church and the body of Christ and of Jesus? Or do they see you maybe better as, really, you're a Christian? Because I think we all get caught up at different times being a little bit of both. And, and something we need to remember as Christ followers is the Apostle Paul actually told us that we're ambassadors of Christ. You are an ambassador to Christ. And Peter even took it a little farther. He said that you're a royal priesthood. So everyone in here as a Christ follower is part of a royal priesthood. Think about that. You are part of a royal priesthood. Now, if you think about the priests in the Old Testament, there's two things they mainly did. The first thing is they represented the people to God. Remember, with all the sacrifices, people would bring it, they do the sacrifice, and they represented the people to God. But now the other thing they did is they represented God to the people. They represented God to the people. Shouldn't we represent Jesus to people? If we're supposed to be Christ-like, Shouldn't people see Jesus in us? That's what we're called to do, right? We're called to be a representation of God to people who are around us. And we fail way too many times in this life. And, and like I said, whether you believe it or not, you are part of the brand. You're part of the brand of the church. And, and I think that one of the things we're going to look at today is I think we need to look at redemption and we need to look at redeeming the church. And, and I want you to understand redemption is, I really want to talk about this because I believe it's something that matters. I believe redemption of the church matters. Redemption of people matter. I think Sunday mornings in church matter. I think this church matters. I think this town matters. I think all these different things matter, but the thing I think that matters the most is you. And the reason I say that is because you matter to God. And if you matter to God and 
Anyone who matters to God should matter to me and should matter to us. And because each one of you are very important. Each one of you are important in your own life and in someone else's life. And you think about the, the days, times, or weeks that you've had. Some good, some bad, some of us struggle through life. This is the place we can get it right. This is the one place we can get it right. We can come into the house of the Lord and we can get it right. What happened this last week, what happened this morning, what happened over the last months or years comes here and the ground of the cross is level. It's a place of second chances and it matters. It should matter to us because of the grace that we've received as Christ followers. And it should matter even more to us for family and friends who don't know Jesus. And I think as we look at this whole redemption or redeeming Christianity, we are hope dealers. We deal in hope. Wednesday night, I said, I'm going to have to get a t-shirt made that says, I'm a hope dealer. Go stand on the corner with the other people dealing and say, no, I'm dealing in hope. But each one of us are that. We are hope dealers. We should deal hope in every situation we come into because we have the hope of Jesus Christ. We have the hope of eternity spend it in heaven with our Lord and Savior. You know how many people would love to have that hope? You know how many people are searching for hope and they can't find it? And they may be working right next to you all day long. And they don't see hope coming from you. We need to be hope dealers and we need to redeem. And I, and I think part of this redeeming, in order to redeem, the church can present a better brand by preaching the gospel and trusting God for the results. We need to preach the gospel. And not just from up here on a Sunday. Each one of us need to preach the gospel. Each one of us need to be able to preach the gospel to anyone who's lost in this world. And I'm really going to break this down as we get into the message. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 41. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. Um, also, a reminder, it will be up here on the screen. And anyone who joined us for church online, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, just real quick, don't let this replace you being connected to a local church where you can work on your relationship with Jesus and others. And I say that, I know there's some people who join us for church online that don't live in this area. So they couldn't, couldn't join us to come into this house. But don't let it stop you from being connected somewhere because that connection to a church and the body of Christ is so important for our walk. So make sure you get connected someplace. And with that being said, Acts 2, verses 36 through 41. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were pierced to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. 
With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted the message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning as we dig into your word, Lord. Lord, we ask that you open up our eyes that we may see what it is you want us to see. Open our ears that we may hear your voice. And Lord, may my words be yours and may you be glorified. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so one of the things as, as an application for today is, is I think that, you know, we must learn how to present the gospel to a dying world. Um, but we must also trust the Holy Spirit to convict people's hearts. Let me say that again. We must learn to present the gospel to a dying world. We've got to know how to do it. But we also have to trust the Holy Spirit to convict people. That's the big part. That is the big part. Because you think about it is everything in life, in our human endeavors, can very easily be taken over by pride. It can very easily be taken over for our own accord where we want to get it done and we want the glory and we want all this. Now, now understand, even with that, God can still redeem them situations. He can still redeem it. And, and as a disclaimer, I want to start out by saying this. We cannot redeem anybody. We cannot redeem anyone. There is no actual process inside the church for us as the church or the body of Christ to redeem anybody. Only person who can redeem anyone is Jesus Christ. But man, we'll try and do it, won't we? We, we try and take it in our own hands. We try and take situations and, and we'll try and convince someone that they need Jesus. Or we'll try and get them to, to be so... Man, I, I need Jesus because of the pressure that we put on them. And, and you see it a lot of with the younger generation where the parents will pressure them into, oh, you got to accept Jesus and you got to be baptized, and they have no idea why. And then later in life, when they finally actually really meet Jesus, people don't understand, but you were saved as a baby. You were saved when you were eight years old. You were baptized when you were eight. Don't you remember? Well, no, I remember I did it because everyone else did it. I, I was with this group and, and in youth group and, and all my friends were doing it. So I did it myself. Because we tend to pressure people into doing it. The one thing that we can do in the salvation process, the one thing that we can do is to present a better brand of Christianity. And we present that better brand as being a follower of Jesus, as, as being part of his body of Christ, by simply doing this. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to everyone you come in contact with. Everybody and anybody you come in contact with, they need to know about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus and then leave it up to God for the results. Don't leave it up to yourself, because if you leave it up to yourself, you're going to be trying way too hard. See, now this makes it so simple. Because so many times in, in this generation and, and in life, we've got to accomplish something. Only thing you've got to accomplish is present the gospel to somebody. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Present the gospel. And then you know what? The, the work you can do after that? Pray. Take time in prayer for the person. 
before, during, and after you present the gospel to them, but then leave the results up to God. Leave it up to God. And be Jesus with skin on in that person's life. Don't be of the world. Don't be like you used to be. Don't be like maybe you are now. If you're going to present the gospel to someone, preach it and live it. Make sure you're doing what it's caused you to do also. And you see, because sometimes I think we get so caught up on results. You know, we, we live in a, in a time when everything's results orientated. And, and even the churches want to get results. Oh, we need to get more baptisms than last year. We need to get more members. We need, we need, we need, we need. You know what we need? The Holy Spirit to fill this room. That's what we need. You can say we need stuff all day long. What we need is Jesus. And we need Jesus to con and the Holy Spirit to convict people's hearts to come into his house. Our job in that? Present the gospel to them. That's our job. It's not that hard, but boy, we make it hard, don't we? Because we want to control it. We, we want to have this, this guarantee that we can do something in this life. And, and our job is to sow the seed. The Bible says you sow the seed and it'll grow. Jesus even says that the farmer sows the seed and the seed grows. It's that simple. Are we sowing the seed? Or are we sowing the seed and then all of a sudden, man, it's not growing. Let me dig it up and try and sow it someplace else. Sow the seed and where you plant it, let it grow. Let it grow and let God do the work. You may be surprised. You may plant one seed and something else may come out of the ground. And one thing I got, you know, I got to say, because Tom's here today, I enjoy watching Tom garden. And see all the different things he's pulling up out of his garden. He has become my regular Green Acres guy. You know, up there in the Carolinas. And, uh, but I enjoy seeing it. And it's a perfect thing. What's he do? He tills the land. He sows the seed. And then what? He waits. He has to wait until it grows. Once it grows, he's able to harvest it. That's the same thing the Bible says. Sow the seed, let it grow, and then harvest it. And we may not always see the harvest. But boy, we want to try and make it grow. Let's put some miracle grow on it or do something. You know, we, we want it to grow faster than what it is. And it's that simple principle that <clears throat> sow the seed. Sow the seed, present the gospel. Present it to this lost world. And let the Holy Spirit convince them to take the next steps. Don't try and convince him yourself. Let the Holy Spirit do it. And understand that presenting the gospel is an effective way for non-believers um, to understand what church is really about. It's a good way for them to understand that, you know, Jesus died on a cross for us, even them. Because that's what he did. It's not just us. It's not a mutual club, you know, this exclusive club of us four and no more. Because if it was us four and no more, none of us would probably be here because we weren't part of the original. We'd be sitting on the outside still waiting to find a way to get in. And I think it's interesting. Here we see Peter 
pretty much in, in all of chapter 2, it, it's devoted to Peter talking to the Jews about the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's the day of Pentecost. He is preaching the gospel. He's preaching the gospel. And I think it's interesting, in verse 37, the people said, well, it said they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart by the words that Peter spoke. And I think that the, the Holy Spirit convicted them just as Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 8 through 11. He said, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. You see, this conviction is powerful. It's a powerful conviction on these people. And the Holy Spirit moved among them. You see, they were, the Jews were convicted because they crucified Jesus. Sinners today can still take part in being cruci the crucifixion of Jesus. Because our sins is what crucified Jesus. He got on that cross for us. For you, for me, and for all those sinners in the world. That's who he did it for. So the same way these Jews were cut to the heart, by here today can still be cut to the heart because of the sins in their life when they're presented with the gospel. When they realize what Jesus has done for them, they can still be cut to the heart. And the Holy Spirit can still do it. How many of you in this room were cut to the heart because of your sin by the Holy Spirit when you were presented the gospel? It happens. It's real life, right? Now, now some people, maybe not as bad as other people, depending on your background and where you were, but the Holy Spirit is still working in and through us. And unfortunately, you know, the one thing with the church is we've got no guarantee to offer anybody. We can't guarantee anything. There's nothing in life that we can guarantee. And unfortunately, in today's world, everything is about results guaranteed. You know, it's his results guaranteed culture. Search Google the words results guaranteed. Man, you're going to find out how to get six-pack abs. Results are guaranteed. A high SAT score, results are guaranteed. And you're going to find all these different PR firms or social media gurus and everything else telling you how you can guarantee something. We can't guarantee anything. All we can do is present the gospel and let God do the rest. Let him redeem the world and let us, let us do what we're called to do. To preach the gospel to a lost world. We can't guarantee a thing. And, and I think it's actually interesting as we continue to look at this. Our part's so small. Think about the part we have to play compared to the part God has to play. Our part is so minute, it's so simple and easy but we won't do it. And I think this passage, you know, Peter actually 
rebuked the crowd? Did you catch when he said, whom you crucified? He put the blame directly on them. Whom you crucified is Jesus. When's the last time you told someone whom you crucified? Jesus was crucified because of us. He was crucified because of us. And understand that while brandy might not be a solution, Peter shows us in this passage exactly how the early, and, and at this point the earliest church, um, attracted people. He allowed the Holy Spirit to convict them. That's how people got attracted to the early church. Through conviction of the Holy Spirit, and then it made them ask that question, what shall we do? The Holy Spirit did the work. And he gives a four-part answer. Now, now, a lot of people will try and take this answer and, and the wording, the way he places the word, oh, well, this is, a, this is how it's got to be done. Well, he didn't put it together at this how it's got to be done. What it is is these four things actually kind of comprise where you know if someone accepted Jesus because you can look at these four things. He didn't give it as a set pattern um, where they had to fall into place. And these four elements are crucial in understanding it. But Peter also warns them with many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Corrupt generation is Old Testament term that they use for stubborn and rebellious people who weren't faithful to God. How many of us are a corrupt generation? Stubborn and rebellious from God. And maybe not today, but at some time in our life, we were part of that corrupt generation. And there's still that corrupt generation out there today in our own families, in our own jobs, in our neighborhoods, whatever it may be. And I think we need to understand that in order to change things, in order to redeem this concept of branding, and recognize the church as something unique. We know the world is hungry. We know the world is hungry and looking for something different. And we as a church are something different. That's what we have to offer. We have to offer something different than what the world says. You think about the world's rocked with sexual assault. The church can be a present vision of accountability it can be give grace and of sexual ethics in this human world. In a world consumed with commercialism and materialism, the church can teach us not to recognize things by a price tag because it's not about a price tag. In a world that's increasingly dis, uh, disconnected, we can teach the world what relationships and families are about. Teach them what a friend is really is. Teach them what family really can be. So many people today don't even sit at a table and eat dinner together. Most of us grew up where this was what time dinner is, you better be at the table. Exactly. If you want to eat and if you miss it, next meal is breakfast. 
Well, how about we take some people and invite them for a meal? Show them what it's like to be part of a family because the world needs it. Present the gospel, be Jesus with skin on, and show them what's better in the church than inside this world. Show them what's better about being a follower of Christ than being in this world. You know, as you look at rebranding and different branding throughout the years, a couple years back there was this big push on, I don't know how many of you remember it, um, I've actually got some of them, Christian t-shirts. Remember the, these Christian t-shirts or Christ, you know, you wear this t-shirt and it was supposed to start this conversation with somebody about who Jesus was. Y'all remember them? Scott's got one on today. <laughs> oh, so is Mike. <laughs> I, I was looking through and I remember some of these that I thought were pretty neat. And they're kind of silly, and I don't think anyone would ever be a follower of Jesus because of these. But show me the first one. Check out, y'all remember Rhesus Jesus? Jesus, King of Kings? Sweet Savior? Here's the sweet Savior. Y'all remember that one? How about this one? My Lifeguard. Yeah, y'all remember that shirt? You think anyone got saved when you were wearing that shirt? Probably not. Next. Coca-Cola. How about, you know, it's the real thing. You think anyone would accept Jesus just because you got that shirt on? But these were big back, you know, a couple years ago. People were making these all the time. I actually like this one, body piercing. You know, when body piercing became pretty big, body piercing saved my life. You know, because Jesus was pierced, you know, like the little play on words there. And for all the men in the house, my favorite Holy Spirit Depot. So you can wear that to Home Depot while you're walking through there. And because it's orange, they'll all think you work in there and they'll be stopping you, asking you for questions. So you can tell them all about the Holy Spirit and how you can do it with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of them are funny. They're comical. Do you think someone with a hard heart would accept Jesus because of a t-shirt? But how many different gimmicks does the body of Christ or churches try and come up with to rebrand to get people to come through their doors and accept Jesus? And that's exactly what it is. It's these gimmicks that they put on and, and they try and do all this to, oh, come here and we'll give you this and we'll do this, we'll do this. And then people get there and they're not doing that and they go right back out the back door. And then what they look at as if that's the body of Christ, I don't want any part of it. And unfortunately, sometimes those churches ruin it for the rest of us. But that's where we as Christ followers need to be the brand in the world that shows who Jesus really is. Present the gospel to a lost world and let them understand, hey, you know what? I've been right where you're at. I've been there, my brother. I've been there, my sister. And guess what? I still mess up today. I, I don't have it all together. I, I still sin. Now, my sin isn't what it used to be. I don't have scars in my wrist because I wasn't on the cross. But man, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Let me tell you what Jesus can do in your life. 
and then leave it up to this Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit take your words, make them his words, and convict the heart of somebody else. Verse 41 said, So those who accepted the message were baptized on that day. About 3,000 were added to them. You think Peter stood up there and gave him any guarantees? Think he had any gimmicks to get them to come and listen? He preached the gospel. He preached Christ crucified. He preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which gives us life, eternal life with him. That's all he did. Now, it is interesting. He said after many words, so he probably preached more that we don't get to see or know what he actually said. He probably didn't have this strategic plan. He just went out there and spoke the truth. Spoke the truth to a lost world. How about you? Are you speaking truth to a lost world? When someone finds out that you're a Christian, do they think, oh, yeah, he's a hypocrite. Or do they think, you're a Christian? Do they want what you have? Now, granted, if you're living like the world and they're in the world, they probably want what you have because you're living in the world. But do they see you as salt and light in this world? Are you making a change in someone's life because Jesus made a change in your life? Imagine 3,000 people came to Jesus that day, were baptized. That's a mass baptism right there. That's a big altar call. Imagine if each one of us as Christ followers did exactly what Peter did and preached Christ crucified to people in our lives and then allowed the Holy Spirit to convict them and pierce their heart so that they would come to know Jesus. If everyone in this room right now did that, there'd be, 80, there'd be another 40 people saved today. 40 people added to the kingdom of heaven today. Now, you notice I didn't say 40 people added to this church. Because it's not about this church, it's about the church of Jesus Christ. It's about the kingdom of heaven, and our job is to get people to the kingdom. That's our job. Our job is to preach the gospel, let them know about Jesus, the Holy Spirit convict them, and they join the kingdom of heaven, and we get to see them in heaven someday. And then someone come up to you and say, man, you don't know me, but you talked to this person that one day and you told them about Jesus and they accepted Christ. They accepted Jesus that day. You know, they went on and see all of us here at this banquet table over here. That person told us about Jesus. And then we told all these people. Just by telling one person, you can get that ripple effect. 
and let it continue on and create that legacy that you may never, ever know about until the day you reach heaven. And I've said it before. Think of the person who gave up his seat for Billy Graham. Don't know his name, but look at how many lives were changed because he gave up his seat for Billy Graham so that he could hear the gospel and let the Holy Spirit pierce his heart and convince him how much he needed Jesus. How are you doing at that? Or are you still trying to control it and control your life and be like, well, I'm Christian on a Sunday, but not on a Friday or Saturday night. I'm a Christian from, from you know, 1045 to noon unless the pastor goes long. And if he goes long, I'm going to be pointing at my watch pastor. I got to go. So are you going to be a Christian for an hour and 15 minutes out of a week? Or are you going to be a Christian three, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year? That's the difference. Who are you going to be when you leave here today? Are you going to be Jesus with skin on? Or are you going to be the same person you were before you came in the door, the person you were last night? It's up to you to make that change. And... If you're sitting there now going, man, I got to change. That's the Holy Spirit piercing your heart. That's the Holy Spirit piercing your heart and convicting you of not being who you say you are. Who does he say I am? We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of a king. And I think we need to start acting like it. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Present the gospel to the lost world. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, that's all good. But I don't know Jesus. Well, let me explain the gospel to you. God's word says we're all sinners when we all fall short of the glory of God. So you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all in the same boat. We're all falling short, none of us have it together, and none of us will ever have it together until we meet Jesus face to face. So you're right here with me. But then it goes on to say that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you have to confess it. I want to make you, Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I want you to rule over my life, and I want to be a follower of yours, not just on Sundays. I want to follow you every day of my life. I want to make you Lord over my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead, and because you were raised from the dead, I know I will be raised again to live my life with you forever. That's what it's all about. And, and if you've never accepted him, today is the day of salvation. Stop playing games. Stop playing Christian and start being a Christian. Start being who God called you to be. Present the gospel 
of Jesus Christ to the lost world and let him do the rest. Let him do the rest. We can intercede through prayer, but leave it up to him because all we'll do is mess it up. And if you don't know Jesus, I encourage you to come up here and we'll talk about it. We'll pray together and you can be part of his messed up, jacked up family. Because we're all messed up and we're all jacked up, but every one of us is loved. We are loved. And thank you for that, Lord. And maybe you're sitting there and you've been playing Christian for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday mornings. And it's time to stop playing and actually be a Christian all the time. And maybe you just need to come up to the altar and Holy Spirit's convicting you where you're at and you just need to come up here and say, okay, God, I'm all in. I'm all in for you. Whatever it may be. So during this final song, if if you need a time of prayer, you want to pray with me, talk with me, want to talk about accepting Jesus, I'll be up here on the side. Well, you can just come and Take some time right here at the altar. Remember his sacrifice for you. Just like we talked about this morning during communion. And make a move for him. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you that you have the hardest job, Lord. Our job is so small, it's so minute that... All we have to do is tell people about you. We need to present the gospel to the lost world and let you do the rest. Lord, I ask if there's anyone in this room or who joined us for church online that don't know you, that they will accept you today, Lord. That they will realize they're never going to have it all together and that you'll accept us right where we are. Even when we're messed up, even when we're jacked up, because you still love us, Lord. And Lord, for anyone who's playing Christian for an hour and 15 minutes a week, Lord, I ask that you convict them to stop playing and be serious about what you call us to do. That we will go and make disciples of all nations. That we will baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, that we will be salt and light in this lost world. Because Lord, we're you with skin on. We're your brand. And may we show that to this lost world. I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, 
Definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com. And on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.